0: Those of you who remain, if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm 82, Psalm 82. This morning we begin what will only be really a one-part sermon, prayerfully not a one-time discussion regarding uh, the subject of justice as manifest in this psalm, it's the application, or lack thereof, of, of justice that the psalmist Asaph is going to indict the leaders, the religious leaders, the judges of Israel in context for, for what they're not doing, but I want us to look beyond just, just that aspect of it and look at the overall topic of justice and what how do we define justice, what does justice look like? Uh, what is our role in uh, justice and seeing justice happen? What is our, what is our response to that? Um, what's rather interesting, at least about this psalm, is if you look at the psalms around it, you will see that the other psalms around it are songs. They're psalms of ascent. So as the nation is going to worship Yahweh in Jerusalem, they would sing some of these songs as they go up. 82 is not one of those songs, and you will see. Uh, it's not one of the songs that they would be singing And we don't know for sure what period of history that is being mentioned here, uh, but we do know the situation. The situation is uh, fairly obvious as we read in verse 82, beginning in verse 1. God takes his stand in his own congregation. He judges in the midst of the rulers. Asaph asked this, this question, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? You see the word selah, some would say crescendo or pause there. What's meant to happen is that you reflect upon what's just been said for a moment. Then he goes into specifically what the indictment is. Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. He has told them what they had done wrong. Now he's going to say, this is who you are, you wicked rulers. You unjust Judges, they do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High God. Nevertheless, you will die like men and fall like any of one of the princes. He concludes with these words, which is the title of the message this morning. Arise, O God, judge the earth. For it is you who possesses all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Asaph, the psalmist here, pronounces judgment, God's judgment against those who unjustly rule. A.W. Pink, in his seminal work, The Justice of God, writes these words. Please listen. Never was there a greater need for the ministers of the gospel to proclaim the inflexible justice of God than in the evil days in which our lot has fallen. He wrote this around 100 years ago. I wonder what he would say now. Not only is God himself insulted and grossly dishonored, but the perversions of his character, which have been so widely promulgated during the last few decades. But multitudes of people have been fatally deceived thereby until a generation who is now risen to whom the deity of holy writ is the unknown God. All around us are those who are so erroneous have a so erroneous idea of divine clemency that they suppose God is an easygoing as a modern parent and as lax as many judges of our day. They suppose that only in the most extreme and exceptional cases, he punishes the crimes of any with everlasting fire. By such ungrounded assumptions, they do stifle any occasional convictions of conscience and steel their hearts against any apprehensions of danger which may visit them, persuading themselves that God is so full of mercy that his justice is virtually inoperative, end quote. What is he saying there that we have completely minimize the justice of God for the mercy of God because God is so incredibly merciful his justice will never happen I would suggest to you brothers and sisters the God of the Bible is concerned about justice because the God of the Bible is just and because he is just and he is concerned with justice he wants us to be concerned with justice Love these words that God, Yahweh, steps into Ezekiel's life and gives him a clear expectation of what he wants for him. Now, as for you, son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for the house of Israel. So you will hear a message from my mouth and give warning from me. Well, who are you to speak to, Ezekiel? When I say to the wicked, God speaking, O oh, wicked, you will surely die and you do not warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. Listen to this, Ezekiel, but his blood I will require from your hand. Because you didn't warn him, Ezekiel. Verse 9 of chapter 33 says these words, but if you on your part warn a wicked man to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, and he will die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your life. In other words, if you've warned him, and he continues in that path and dies, Ezekiel, that's not on you. Clear call in Scripture that there are expectations for God's people, in particular prophets, judges, leaders, those who have influence over others to proclaim the Word of God, and in particular, the justice of God. I would suggest to you that we don't do it in some soft tone either. That we do it with force, we do it with strength, not because the strength is in and of ourselves. It's in the Word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. What he says matters, what he thinks matters. But what I have found, especially in the last 10 or 15 years in Christendom, it matters what we think. We endorse what the culture says as opposed to imposing our truths on them. Proclaiming our truths to them, we find that their truths are valid, which is amazing to me because depending on which people group you talk to, they will all tell you that their points of truth are different. If you talk to a feminist, she will say, justice for me looks like this. If I talk to a Black Lives Matter advocate, justice for me looks like this. If I look for an environmental activist, they will say, justice for me looks like this. See, for them, justice is very subjective. And it's very self-centered. It's based on my persecuted group, my minority group. We define what justice is. And I'm amazed that Christians have found themselves endorsing what they say justice is at the antithesis of what God says justice is. No more than this subject right here, the life of the unborn. We have bought into their narrative. And I'm amazed that we will proudly boast on Twitter what we believe. And it's the opposite of what God says. When we're called to be watchmen, we're called to warn people. I love, and I wish I had the time this morning to look at 1 Kings 18. Who do we find there? Elijah, before 850 prophets of Baal. He is standing before, and he says, it's me and me alone that I am standing before these people. And he asked the people of God, how long will you be between two opinions? And Elijah stands as a man of God, despite what it may cost him. One against 850. And we won't say a word. It's not Elijah's mantra. Now, Elijah's not perfect because we know what happens to him afterwards, right? If we were to go a few chapters later, we meet Micaiah in 1 Kings 22. I love Micaiah. Micaiah's in prison for prophesying against the king. Ahab, this wicked ruler, calls Micaiah back out of prison and say, I want you to prophesy of what we should do as we're preparing to go to war. He and Jehoshaphat were going to go to war together. But Jehoshaphat says, we've got to hear from the Lord. As Micaiah is coming to the king, one of those people that are bringing him to the king say, speak favorably to the king that it would go well with you. Micaiah says these very poignant words, very true words. What the Lord commands me to speak, that I shall speak. And those of you who know the story, it's a prophecy of demise for Ahab. And Micaiah is put back in prison for prophesying the truth. We live in a world where Christians don't want our feathers ruffled. We don't want to be bothered. We're concerned about what other people are going to say. We're concerned about what's the cubicle next to me going to think about me. We're concerned, am I going to ostracize myself? Am I concerned that people aren't going to like me if I don't? And we don't proclaim God's truth. We won't stand for anything. What is justice, brothers and sisters? How do we define justice? How do we know what to stand for? Love these words by Sam Storms. He's an amillennial. Don't get caught up in that. Justice is God acting and speaking in conformity with who he is. To say that God is justice to say that he acts and speaks consistently with whatever his righteous nature requires. On the other side, to be unjust is to act and speak inconsistently with whatever is righteous and his nature requires. So how do we know justice? How do we know what is right? We know God. I'm convinced the reason why people won't stand for truth, won't stand for righteousness, won't stand for justice, they don't know the God of the Bible. They don't know his word. They don't know what he requires. And they don't care to know. They want to find God in sound bites and clever little quips from Our Daily Bread, I'm not knocking Our Daily Bread, but little sound bites from here, this person or that person, Piper, MacArthur, whomever, let's get a little clip and let's incorporate it into our thinking, although I have no understanding of what they're talking about. But it surely sounds good, and somebody will like me on Twitter. On Facebook, they'll check off and say, that's nice. And you have no idea what you're talking about. It's justice. Justice is knowing God. God is the only just. God is righteous in and of himself. All his ways are just. When we think of justice, we think of God. So think about this practically speaking, philosophically, brothers and sisters. If we've got groups who are outside the kingdom, who don't understand who God is, and they're claiming just acts and just things, are we in any wonder why they're in conflict with what God says? I don't understand from a Darwinian evolution perspective how they can come up with anything that's just. Just comes from society. Society sets what is right. That's fascinating to me. Then how can I indict Idi Amin? How can I indict Pol Pot? How can I indict Stalin? How can I indict Hitler? Their society thought what they were doing was right. Can I indict slaveholders then? The society thought that slavery was okay. Where do we learn and understand justice from God? Calvin in his Institutes writes these words, listen, the will of God is the highest rule of justice. So so that what he wills must be considered just. Whatever he wills is just, Calvin suggests, for this very reason, because he willed it. Because he willed it so, it's just. God is, see, that's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we're fallible. We can't think of this infallible being, and in all his ways, all his words are just. They're righteous and they're true. Calvin goes on to say, When it is inquired, therefore, why the Lord did so, the answer must be, because he would. I like that. But if you further ask why he's so determined, you're in search of something greater and higher than the will of God, which can never be found. In other words, we don't understand all the ways of our God. But we do know this, his rectitude, his righteousness, his justice is found in and of himself. Ezra 9, 15, oh God, you are righteous. Daniel 9, verse 7, righteousness belongs to you. Jeremiah 50, verse 7, the Lord who is in the habitation of righteousness. Revelation, we see a song that is being sang about God. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord. The Almighty, righteous and true are your ways. Psalm 89, verse 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Psalm 145, verse 7, they shall eagerly utter your memory of abundant goodness. We call him Jehovah Jehovah. canoe, the Lord who is our righteousness. Moses looked at God and said these words, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are just. Wicked King Nebuchadnezzar, who I believe got saved. Janky McHale smoothie, and he says these words, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven for all his works are true. His ways are Just. Isaiah 45, 19, I have not spoken in secret in some dark land. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in a waste place. I, the Lord, speak righteousness, declaring things that are upright. Isaiah 45, 23, I've sworn by myself. That's pretty awesome to be able to swear by yourself, your own character. Only God can do that. The word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness. When we think of justice and righteousness, we think of God. So, if we're going to understand what justice and righteousness are, we must understand who God is. God has always been righteous and he has always demanded righteousness from his people. What's wonderful, I want you to think about it through things. Go back with me from Psalm 82 real quick, just one book back to Job 31. Now, if I had the time, I'd take you to 2 Peter 2 verse 5. I want to make a case here. I want you to understand this idea of justice on all people. So think this through. 2 Peter 2 verse 5, in the context, he is talking about prophets who are going to be destroyed, false prophets there in 2 Peter 2. And he gives this illustration. He says, as the angels whom God did not spare, when Noah, the faithful preacher of righteousness. So I want you to think about that. Noah was preaching righteousness for about 100 years. Let's go to Job 31. I want you to see this. And there's a reason why I'm giving you those two characters. And I'll explain it here in a moment. Listen to what he says about his life. Now, remember, Job here doesn't understand what's going on in his life. So he is saying to his friends that are surrounding him some things about himself. Notice what he says in verse 9 of chapter 31. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or I've lurked at my by my neighbor's doorway, may my wife grind for another, and let others kneel down over her, for that would be a lustful crime. Interesting. Moreover, it would be an iniquity punishable by judges, for it would be a fire that consumes to Abaddon, Abaddon, excuse me, and would uproot all the of my increase. If I have despised the claim of my male and female servants, when they have a complaint against me. Look at what he goes in and it says in verse 16. If I have kept the poor from their desire, have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel alone, the orphan has not shared it. What is Job saying here? I have conducted myself with integrity. Here's the question we ask. Why did he do it? Where did Job get an understanding of how he should treat other people? Now, here's what's good. Noah and Job precede who? In Israel's history, that is, very, very important. Some would say he is the most important person in Israel's history. Abraham. Why? Wow. the covenant. Circumcision. Job and Noah precede Moses. What does Moses get? The law. Wait a second. These guys, Noah and Job, have an understanding of how they should behave and be pleasing to Yahweh before the law, before the covenant that God made with Abram. How did they know it? There was an understanding through oral tradition of who Yahweh was. Noah believed it and he preached it. There was an understanding of sacrifice for Job. What do we read in Job chapter one? What does he do every day for his children? It was a sacrifice for them. They understand that in order to approach Yahweh, this is before the law, there are things that he accepts and that he rejects. Part of that worship was how we treat one another. God has always told his people. I'm going to suggest to you from Romans chapter 1 that he even tells unbelievers how they should treat one another. Where? in their conscience. Men, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. It's not that righteousness is not there. It is there in their conscience. They know that it's wrong, but what do they do? They suppress it. I don't want it. It doesn't fit my narrative. You can ask most people about most subjects. Is that wrong? Yes, but they will find an excuse of why it should be right. It doesn't fit my narrative. Now, we don't know anything about that, do we, as believers? You ever had a sin that started out as really egregious? I remember the first time I saw nudity as a child. And guess what that did for a young boy's mind? I wish I could tell you. it said, man, I don't want it. But you become anesthetized to it. It doesn't bother me anymore. None of us would be surprised by, by a movie up there. You're surprised if you see a movie with nudity in it. Would you not go to the movie because it had nudity in it? Most of Christians wouldn't. We're so anesthetized. It's not a big deal. If they say the God's name in vain, that wouldn't, we're, we're anesthetized to that kind of stuff. There's no big deal. Suppress the truth and unrighteousness. It doesn't bother us anymore. Well, for wicked men, they continue to do that. And we see the result in Romans chapter 1. God has displayed his demand for justice, but men have ignored it. Can we reclaim it, brothers and sisters, God's truth going forth? Can God's people begin to proclaim his truth and not our own? Will we be the ones who are the watchmen on the wall? Will we be the Elijahs? Will we be the Micaiahs? Will we be the John the Baptists who are not afraid to call out the king? You're sleeping with your brother's wife. That sin before a holy God cost John his head, and I'm afraid to get a hangnail. Why don't we stand up? Isn't it worth fighting for? Isn't the truth worth dying for? Men used to set themselves ablaze for the gospel, for the kingdom, and we're afraid that someone won't like us. Polycarp and others, we're not afraid to go to the gallows, to stand in the stadiums and be mocked by thousands because I'm going to stand for the truth. I will not offer a pinch of incense to Caesar. Jesus is Lord. And we're afraid they may not like me. They may block me on Facebook. They're not my friend anymore. Who cares? Stand before a holy God in truth, brothers and sisters, with vigor and with strength. Isn't the truth on our side? Are we lying? Are we manipulating people? We're not used car salesmen, no offense. You're used car, no offense, no offense. We're not trying to manipulate people. We're trying to tell them the truth. Why are we so afraid? Psalm 82. Three points I want to make in the text. Wow. Number one, we see here, Asa clearly proclaims that God is in control, he reigns over his congregation and he judges in the midst of his rulers. God has appointed rulers to rule over people. And in a sense, those people are gods. You are representing God as you issue judgments in the nation of Israel. You are speaking for God when you are issuing these judgments against God's people. But what are they doing? He is ruling in that. He is judging the leaders but it doesn't stop there. He's going to tell us why he does this to leaders. Look at what they do in verse 2. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? We've seen that word in James, right? Partiality. We see that the rich are favored. And what do you tell to the poor person? You sit back here. You, you go down there. James indicts people for that. In this context, we don't know exactly what it was, but possibly the rich who are coming before him, maybe they have a judgment against them by another poorer brother, or maybe they don't have the relationship with the judge, but whatever the reason is, they're showing partiality. They are judging unjustly. Might we note here, Yahweh is in the heavens, but he understands and knows what's going on with his people. Look at those first seven churches in Revelation. It is clear as he writes to the elders, the angels of the church, he consistently says, I am aware of what's happening in your midst. Yahweh is aware of what's happening to his people. And he indicts them. Your iniquity is that you're doing it because you're greedy. Your hearts are cold. You're not concerned about who has placed you as that judge. You're only concerned about yourself. What should they have been doing? What's their responsibility? Verse 3. Vindicate the weak and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. Now, I remind you, this is an agrarian society. Uh, God forbid, or God's will, if I were to leave this earth today, he calls me home. My wife will be provided for. The government insurances have ways set up that Karen will be a widow, but she won't be broke. She won't have to be outside your home gleaning food, hoping you throw things out. First century, and in this culture, that's exactly what happened. We have an example of that in the book of Ruth, right? What does Naomi say? Ruth, why are you going with me? I'm dead. No one's going to take care of me. Who wants an old woman around? The expectation that Israel was going to care for those who had nothing. They had no resources. They were poor, they were broken, they were widows, they were destitute, they were afflicted. They're weak. But these judges were supposed to make sure that people got cared for. That was their responsibility. But they didn't care. I would suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that oftentimes we don't defend the, those who are being dealt with unjustly We don't deal with those who are broken. We don't defend the fatherless. Psalm 68, verse 5 says, God, a father of the fatherless and a judge to the widows. That's who God is, but is that who we are? Do we defend the poor and oppressed, the weak and the needy? Or do we ignore it and just walk by? Are we concerned about the needs of others in our world? Now, you would say, well, I'm not a judge. God hasn't given me that kind of responsibility. I would beg to differ as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're far greater than a judge because you've got truth. You've got an understanding that he has given you. You have the power and ability to get involved. Two ways I suggest we get involved. Number one, speak out. Love this in Proverbs 31. Open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of all the unfortunate, open your mouth, judge righteously and defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. Open your mouth, brothers and sisters. We will talk about anything, I promise you, about 4 o'clock today or 8 o'clock tonight, there will be a bunch of us talking about a lot of different stuff. What am I talking about? Who won the first part of the football games, those first 1 o'clock games? Who won or lost the 4 o'clock games at 8 o'clock? And then we'll start all over about midnight, why? because there's a Sunday night game now as well. We will talk about sports, at least us men, we'll talk about it till we're blue in the face. We will go passionate about your team. Why they didn't win or why they did win. They're going to the Super Bowl, they're not. Why you're mad, who they should address. You will have a, a ton of opinions about all that stuff, but you will not talk at all about the unborn who are dying every day, who will line up at Planned Parenthood and give their child to the devil in a sense. Won't say a word about that. Won't comment on it. I have no opinion. I personally don't believe, but you can believe whatever you want. So you're personally against abortion because it takes the life of a human being. But you think others ought to have the right to take the life of a human being. Help me understand. See, it doesn't matter what you think. What does God say? Psalm 139, I think, gives us a pretty good example of what God says about the unborn you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the womb. When did you become you? At conception. But we won't talk about that. Ah, Texas, this Texas law, I don't want to talk about it. Everybody else is talking about it, but Christians, no. We're not going to be the watchman on the wall. We're not going to extend God's truth out. Um, why would I want to get involved, man? People, My family might get up with me. I can't talk about that. You don't know what that would do. I know what it would do. Prayerfully, it would bring God glory by you proclaiming truth. But we're afraid. It's not just abortion. It's anything. You won't talk about it. Open your mouth, brothers and sisters. Love this section here. Micah 6, you know it. What shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before God on high? What shall I come to him with burnt offerings and with yearly calves, yearling calves? Does the Lord delight in the thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? No to all those questions. He has told you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you, Christian, this morning? To do justice. To love kindness and walk humbly with your God. The manifestation of how you are loving the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and strength is how you treat your neighbor. How you speak up for your neighbor. We don't we shouldn't have to proclaim, oh, the church is gonna have a statement about racism. The Bible already speaks to that issue. How we treat women in our culture, the Bible already speaks to that issue. We don't have to go invent something. We don't have to agree with homosexuals to say that they should be respected because they're made in Mago Day. You don't have to go and agree. Hey, you know, I'm and I understand transgender. And you know, I don't understand. I don't understand all that's going on. Maybe he didn't create gender. Uh, maybe. It's, uh, what? It's clear. I still love you. I disagree. You can't be whoever you want to be, depending on your whims. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to believe it. You guys know, I hate those stickers. Don't have it on your car. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Don't, don't have that sticker on your car. God said it. That's enough. That's enough. God said it. But we won't comment for justice. We don't want to get involved. We don't want to speak out, especially in this world. I was talking to my mom about this, and I got a background. I got history. I think it's saved. I was 27. I was like, Mom, I'm a little afraid. I start putting stuff in there. Well, this is why you were at this. Yep, that was me. This is why you, you was a drunk in high school. Yep, that was me. You ran around with everybody doing everything. Yep, that was me. I'm afraid I don't want anybody on Twitter talking about me. But why? Because it's about me, right? I to admit, even this sermon. I was like, this is going to be recorded today. Somebody came up after First Savings. Hey, I'm going to make sure I send that one out. And I was like, Ugh. well, about that. How about we keep that one in house? Doesn't matter what's done to me, does it? It matters what God says about any given situation. We've got to speak out. Secondly, we've got to act out. That's supposed to be armor. Thus says the Lord, preserve justice and do righteousness. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor. And do not mistreat or do violence to the stranger, the orphan, or the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. There is something that the nation of Israel was called to do. Yes, we speak, but we also do. It's a shame we have to beg people to come and do things at the church. I'm not talking about Bethel. I'm talking about the church in general. Bright Hope's pregnancy gala that we're having should be overrun. It, it shouldn't be a matter of man, how many from Bethel are gonna go? I don't have enough seats for all the people that Bethel are gonna send because they are supporting this ministry. They are supporting life. I'm gonna go volunteer with my time. I'm gonna put down the remote. I'm gonna put down the clubs. I'm gonna stop lifting the weights. I am gonna go and serve somebody else with truth so that they might serve, save their baby. Could get involved. What excuses do we have? Too busy. This going on. Got that, that going on. Psalmist indicts these leaders for not knowing and not doing. If the psalmist were to write about your Christian walk, what would he write? If we was writing about Bethel Church's ministry, what would he write? You think? What is our responsibility to our community? We defending the stranger? Think of people at our southern border. Do we want to see them treated unjustly? Doesn't make any sense. It's not biblical. We want to see justice. I want to see God's righteousness proclaimed. Let me keep going. Explaining God's indictment of leaders, the iniquity, the responsibility, the certainty. Let's keep looking at the text. Ah, oh, wow. Look at what he says about these men and look at the results of what has happened because of these men. They do not know, they do not understand. Well, what don't they understand? Who God is or God's law. As a result, they walk about in darkness. Bible calls us to walk in light, be children of light. These men are walking in darkness because they don't know God. They don't know Yahweh. They don't know Yahweh's word. Look at the result of the community at large. Here described as the whole earth. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Why? Because you have these unjust men doing unjust things. Anybody see, and look at our world in America and say, man, our foundations have been rocked. What is secure? What do you have security over? Who do you have trust in in our culture today? Judges, politicians, pastors. Can't trust any of them. And the foundations have been shook. We look at our world and say, what is going on? We're teetering because you have leaders who do not honor God. How do people, it's amazing the way we think about things. I, I'm, I'm not going to go there. Verse six, I said, you are gods and all of you are sons of the most high. We're going to have fun with that when we get to John chapter 10. This is a verse that Jesus is going to use with the Pharisees. Uh, this is a verse, number one, that Jehovah's Witnesses also use proving that Jesus isn't God. So we're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time talking about this word Elohim and the Elohims because he does say plural um in this passage but we'll get that when we get to john chapter 10 so here's what we think is happening in this context and i think it fits with john chapter 10 these wicked judges god has placed in a position of authority as god right because they're representing god as they issue judgments but here's what they started to here's what they forgot they forgot that they were appointed by god and actually said i am god i'm in control i'm making all these rules and the psalmist here reminds them and says what nevertheless you will die like men and fall like any one of the princes you may think you're high and mighty but you're going to stand before a holy god by the way does this only apply to religious jewish leaders every leader on this planet brothers and sisters is going to be accountable before god whether they know god or not he's going to hold them accountable for their leadership by the way what encouragement should that give us today Justice is coming for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and Nigeria. Man, nobody talks about Nigeria. It's been happening over there for decades that they've been being killed. Persecuted every day, dying every day. Well, guess what, brothers and sisters? One day, you're going to be vindicated. God is going to get those who have persecuted you. They will fall like any one of the princes. And then he closes with this piece, and I'll close here. Appealing to God's justice against leaders. Look at what he says. Arise, O God. Stand up, O God. Hold them accountable. What does he say? Judge the earth. Doesn't say Israel. Judge the earth. God is going to judge these leaders, and the psalmist is calling him to judge. He is tired of what he sees. He is tired of seeing the broken, and he is tired of seeing those who have been victims. He is tired of seeing it at the hands of those who should know better. And brothers and sisters, if we're honest, and I know we love this country, but if we're honest about it, arise, oh God, and judge America. 62 million babies. How much more do we need than we say when it reaches this number, he should judge? Judge this nation, God. It's not because I don't love it, I love you more. Judge this nation. Arise, O oh God, and judge America for its sins. How do we wholesale not only make it legal here, something that God has demanded is illegal the taking of a life, we have packaged it and taken it to other countries. Arise, O oh God. Arise, O oh God, and judge this nation. For honest brothers and sisters, if we're going to push into the text, let the text push into you. Arise, O oh God, and judge Judge me, judge me for my feckless manner, for my laziness. Judge me, oh God, arise, O oh God, and judge me. Search me and try me, oh God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. That I find myself arguing more about a mask or a non-mask or a vaccine or non-vaccine than I do about the truth of your word. I find myself more boastful in this concept of American freedom then my freedom in Christ. We'll boast in that. We'll sing about it. We'll set aside a day and we'll put our flags out. Afraid to put that Christian flag out though, aren't we? It's not Easter yet. It's not Christmas yet. They expect it. Then that's when we do it, right? Where's the boldness, brothers and sisters, for him? Psalmist says, Arise, O God. Judge the earth, for it is you who possess all the nations. They're all his. All the people therein are his, and he will judge them. We've already learned that Christ is going to judge them. But well, we could walk away from this patch and say, wait, I'm not a judge. I'm not, this isn't Israel. This isn't me. James chapter 3 verse 1 says, don't let many of you become teachers because teacher will incur a stricter judgment. For the words you say representing God, you're going to be judged for those words because, in that context, you're a teacher. You're telling someone, Thus saith the Lord. If someone asks you, What does God believe about this situation? You're speak, you become a teacher. You're proclaiming God's word to someone. And for what you say or don't say, you're going to be held accountable for. Who's up for the task? Who's adequate for such things? Where do we get the strength and the courage and the energy to do this? Can I give you a little secret, brothers and sisters? We already have it. He's called God. We refer to him as the Holy Spirit. You shall be my witnesses everywhere, boldly proclaiming righteousness and justice and truth. Because you have the Holy Spirit. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or even think don't forget the rest of it according to the power that is at work in you are we gonna do it you guys know me man i'm a football guy college football is my thing Man, I love when those coaches, they get the crowd, you know, get the team. They're standing in front of the team. And I'm like, they get them all hyped up. Let's go. We're going to Then they go out. That's what I want to do right now. Problem with that, I'd only make it to the steps and I'd be out of breath. So I'd have to be like, you, you guys go ahead. In other words, I want to say, let's go. Let's charge forward. It's not what we need to do. We need to have a made-up mind that God used me to boldly proclaim justice to the world. Lord, make me not afraid when that person is having that conversation and I have truth and I'm anxious because I don't know what they'll say about me or they'll feel about me that I am going to boldly proclaim truth. Love this old hymn I stumbled across. Hear the voice Overcomer, standing firm. Fear not, brethren, firm and true, whatever thy foe may be. Jesus fought the battle through and gives to us the victory. Who is on the side of the Lord and going into battle with him to proclaim justice to the nations, justice to the unborn, Just to those, justice to those who are facing racial discrimination, sexual discrimination. Justice to all people who are being hurt, who are being taken advantage of. Will you stand with me? Dumb question. Will you stand with him? Will you stand with him today? My fear in messages like this for me and you. Two fears really. One, I could keep talking. Two, it'll we'll go in here and about 1215, it'll be gone. I'll feel the conviction now. 1215, 12, 1230, 12, it's gone. Because issues of life will come. I pray that you will be so stirred, I will be so stirred that this will change us. I don't want us to be challenged. I'm sick of Christians being challenged. Christians should be changed for his glory. You with me? You with him? Stand for truth. It's on your side. Some of you I you know are intimidating. You say, I don't know the truth. So we have Sunday schools. That's why there's books. You can get the information to stand firm on these things. I'm going to tell you, you won't make any friends. People will probably hate you. This is the issue of our day, in my opinion. This is, abortion is the issue of our day. I am not saying racism is not important. It is. I am not saying other isms that are in our world are not important. They are. But if you weigh them out, last I checked, about every 45 seconds a baby's aborted. that doesn't stir us as believers to want to get involved and do something i don't know what will arise oh god let's pray arise o oh god stir in the hearts of your people who have been given precious and timeless truths about who you are. You have not hidden yourself from us. You have revealed yourself in many ways. You have described yourself in many ways. You have gifted us with the Holy Spirit who illumines our minds that we might understand more and more about you, Lord. You do not, would not have us hide our light. You would not have us have that light snuffed out or put aside. You want us to light the entire room you want us to be that preservative of salt in the culture but we have become comfortable with lighting our own homes being salt in our own churches or families by your power by your grace would you so impress upon our hearts that this would not be so heavy on our hearts this day we wouldn't let this go. This would be something we wrestle with weeks, months, years to come. I must proclaim God's justice to the world. We are thankful as believers that your justice that was made for us has been given to another, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we tell that to the world, what they deserve, went to another, proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us for your glory, Father. May it be so. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.